0: Hi and welcome to another episode of Turning the Page and it's Barry here again with uh, my latest weekly blog post that I put up on uh, YouTube and on uh, the podcast. Uh, Today's post is a bit different because it's not from me. (laughs) Uh, It's actually from a friend of mine called Bruce Swartz and Bruce lives in uh, in America and uh, I'll share some more details about him a bit later on. But uh, today's post is about the problem is not the problem. And he starts off by saying this, the problem is not the problem. The real problem is much worse. And that's a quote from a lady called Sandy Burdick. And uh, and I'll just read it as he has written it. So if it sounds like it's coming from me, it's actually coming from Bruce. (laughs) Okay, so I can still see the look abject horror on Alma's face and the dark brown eyes opened wide as I approached her. I was about to tell her that she was magnificent and she was terrified. She was an inmate at a woman's prison where I was part of a team that meet weekly with groups of women who were sexually abused as children of or adolescents. In our in our first session we always showed the short classic movie The Butterfly Circus and by the way, in the blog post there's a link where you can go watch the Butterfly Circus. It's, it's an incredible telling of the gospel story and the impact of a relationship with Christ without mentioning faith or religion. In it, the leader of the Butterfly Circus, Mendes, encounters a man with no arms or legs at a different circus's sideshow. While others make cat calls or pull it back in horror when they see him, or even throw tomatoes at him when the crowd clear at him when the crowds clears out, Mendes approaches Will, leans down to look at him eye to eye and says in true admi- admiration, You are magnificent. Will is so stunned he spits in Mendes's face. And when the movie reaches its dramatic conclusion, we members of the team get up and go look in each of the inmates' faces and say, You are Magnificent. And Alma had seen this happen many, many times to several of her fellow inmates and now she saw me approaching her and with that look of horror wide-eyed she began to shout at me, no 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 don't you dare say that to me. She was there because of her sexual abuse problem but her real problem was much worse. Not only had her body been abused in terrible ways, but her spirit was so deeply wounded she could not and would not allow anyone to perceive her as anything of value. It broke my heart. The memory is burned deeply in me. I am convinced that any abuse of a child, adolescent or adult, be it sexual, emotional or physical, is an attack on that person's spirit. That is what satan desires to attack our spirits in such a way that we don't perceive ourselves as having any value and that leads to what john bradshaw termed toxic shame we are so deeply wounded spiritually that we believe ourselves to be less than worthless and we live out our lives with that as our foundational truth it affects all of our relationships because we can never truly be who we think we are if we did people would surely reject us just as we have rejected ourselves. So we put on masks to hide the scum that we are from the rest of the world. We wear all kinds of masks. Some of us put a big red S Superman, on our chest and attempt to excel at everything to feel accepted while all the while hiding the secret that we have nothing of value. Others put on the party hat and become the clown that makes everyone else laugh deflecting people away from us examining us too carefully for fear of being truly found out still others become bullies and wear a mask uh, wear a mean facade and designed to scare everyone away so that we won't be exposed there are as many different kind of masks as the number of people who have been harmed there's even a good christian mask that can be the christian everyone points to as an example of what a good christian should be All the while believing that God hates them and has already rejected them. And they certainly are not deserving of anything good from God. And so, those who have been harmed go through life empty. Never tasting of God's rich love for them. Never finding any meaning for the pain that was inflicted on them. At least that's how it was for me. Wounded as a child by older children, I had parents who loved me but could not help me with my shame because I didn't believe I could tell them about it. Sexually wounded, I was introduced to pornography and became addicted. I felt doubly ashamed. I was dirty for what had been done to me because my body responded. And I was sure God had to hate me because I was addicted to porn and knew better. Until God intervened through circumstances and caring people, I lived an angry, empty life, pretending to be a good Christian. But that's another story for another time. If solid survey research data is believed, many have been abused in some fashion in their lives. They have suffered a debilitating blow to their spirit. And we don't have to look far to understand why society is such a mess right now. We need to understand and respond to the wounded in ways that allow them to unmask over time and love them no matter what. Moving away from behavioral Christianity to loving Christianity, where the underlying unending love of Christ is extended to all and at all times. If behaviors have to be addressed, and they will, the goal is to restore the person's spirit, not a simple change in behavior. This takes time, perseverance, persistence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and most assuredly a heart that understands its own woundings and is moving ever closer to the ultimate heal of the Spirit Jesus. Back to Elma. for nine weeks we showed her love we didn't further shame her when she reluctantly shared some of the things of which she was ashamed of instead we encouraged her and enjoyed her The last thing we do with each group is show the Bloodify Circus again. When it is over, once again, we look each each participant in the eye and tell them they are magnificent. And when I approached Alma this time, she was like an excited schoolgirl who knew she was about to be asked out on a date by a boy she really liked. She was literally jumping around in her chair when I looked into her beautiful eyes and said, Alma, you are magnificent. She smiled hugely and excitedly exclaimed, yes I am. my Jesus say so? Jesus says we are all magnificent. May you recognise this in yourself and speak it to others. So that's uh, Bruce's guest post and um, here's a few quotes for you to consider. Diets underscore one of the most paradoxical aspects of toxic shame in dieting and losing weight one has the sense of controlling and fixing the problem as you saw earlier control is one of the major strategies for covering up shame all layers of cover-up are attempts to control the outside world so the inside will not be exposed john bradshaw in order to be healed we must come out of isolation and hiding this means finding a person or ideally a group of significant others whom we are willing to trust This is tough for shame based people, John Bradshaw. Shame becomes toxic because of premature exposure. We are either exposed either unexpectedly or before we are ready to be exposed. We feel helpless and hope powerless. No wonder then that we fear the scrutinizing eyes of others. However, the only way out of toxic shame is to embrace the shame. We must come out of hiding. Super achievement from John Bradshaw. Another one from John is that super achievement and perfectionism are two of the leading cover-ups for toxic shame. As paradoxical as it may seem, the straight A student and the F student may both be driven by toxic shame. John Bradshaw. Uh, The best way to come out of hiding is to find a non-shaming, intimate person or social network. Um, I don't think he's meaning social networking as in Facebook and so on. I think he's talking far more about um, a grouping of people. The operative word here is intimate. We have to get on a core gut level because shame is a core gut level stuff. Toxic shame masks our deepest secrets about ourselves. It embodies our belief that we are essentially defective. That was from John Bradshaw. And uh, Dan Allender. Shame causes us to see our identity as flawed rather than having... Than seeing ourselves as having flaws. And Larry Crabb. I think that it is God. I think that is God's plan to meet where, where I am, in all my ugliness, not where I pretend to be or wish I were, to meet me in my weakness and shame and fear, and to give me hope that God loves me, that He can change me, and that He can use me. Uh, Larry Crab, uh, we cannot count on God to arrange what happens in our lives. In ways that will make us feel good, we can, however, count on God to patiently remove all the obstacles to our enjoyment of Him. He is committed to our joy. We can depend on Him to give us enough of a taste of that joy, and enough hope that will be the, that the best is still ahead to come, or is it that the best is still ahead to keep us going in spite of how much pain continues to plague our hearts? Dr. Larry Crabb. And the final quote from Larry Crabb is that when spiritual friends share their stories, the others listen without working. They rest. There is nothing to fix, nothing to improve. A spiritual community feels undisturbed quiet as they listen. Certainly burdened, but still resting in the knowledge that the life within, the passion for holiness, is indestructible. It needs only to be nourished and released. Larry Crabb. By the way, sorry if you're watching this, my camera keeps on moving around and I need to just get it back up there. Uh, questions to consider. Number one, we present with one problem, but actually there is a deeper problem underneath. Where have you discovered this in your life? Two, how do we create safe places for people to be known? Three, what would it be like for someone to say to you, you're magnificent? And uh, here's a little bit about Bruce, i just um, at the bottom of the post I've got. Bruce is a husband, father and grandfather to a family he loves. Both he and his wife are abuse survivors. God eventually led him to undertake training as a trauma therapist. Even in retirement, he occasionally walks beside a wounded person who needs a companion in their journey of recovery. He lives in Champaign, Illinois, USA and he can be reached by email if you come over to the website um, you can see the link for to send him a message but hey if if something sort of spoke to you in this particular um, post how about send me an email okay barry at turningthepage.co.nz always love to hear from my readers and listeners and viewers (laughs) it's really 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 wonderful to have that happen Uh, a big thank you to all of you that um, support turning the page Uh, it's just so wonderful to know that other people are out there that that actually um, can contribute a little bit of money each month towards keeping this going a dollar a month a dollar a u.s dollar a month goes a long way Okay, if you'd like to be part of that community, uh, come over to turningthepage.co.nz/forge/support. But until next week, may grace and peace go with you, and may you just know deep love and that you are magnificent too. Okay, bye.